If you want 20% off the best adaptogen blends, plus a little insider info on what I use, listen up. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. They essentially boost your resistance and tolerance when it comes to emotional and physical stress and provide your body with the support it needs only when it needs it. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The best and easiest way to supplement with adaptogen blends is with Organifi. Here's my tip. Some adaptogens are better in the morning and others are better at night. But it's important to experiment with timing to see what works for you. And you can even experiment with blends according to your cycle and your symptoms. For example, Harmony is an amazing blend of Vitex Berry and Maca, which are known to help relieve PMS symptoms like headaches and mood changes and even cycle irregularities. So you could take this when you're in the second half of your cycle. I like to take green juice, which has ashwagandha mid-morning when I'm stressed and dealing with sleep issues, and I take gold every night before bed. It's my nightcap with reishi. I just mix it with water, and that helps me sleep. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day, and I can attest to this. I have not found a blend that I don't like the taste of. These are clinical doses of adaptogens, so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash WellFed and use the code WellFed for 20% off. That's Organifi, so O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash WellFed. Use the coupon code WellFed for 20% off. You are now listening to WellFed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Wellfed Women podcast. This is episode number 421. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. Today, I am here with Sarah Greenfield. She has been on the podcast before. Talking about the gut hormone connection, chronic digestive problems, and we did talk a lot about stool testing, and that was episode number 353. Today, I invited her back because she is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to gut dysfunction, overall gut health, and today we even talk about kids and gut health and what we can really do to support their gut health long term. We are going to break down in this episode a lot of hot topics, so resistant starch and probiotics and parasites. I threw everything at her, So, and I got to answer a lot of your questions, which were really, really helpful too. So I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. This is a much higher level of understanding of gut health. So we're not going to just talk about what is the gut and what does it do and why is it so important. We really dive deep into what are some what are the reasons for these really chronic conditions and how do we go about solving them? Why what's the missing piece? Why do so many people get testing done and look, you know, have these numbers and then treat it and kill 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 yet they still struggle long term. Things still happen, things still come back. I loved the way she explained certain things in this episode. I know it's going to help so many people. And we talk about the nervous system, which is another really important topic that a lot of people have been discussing lately. 
Before I introduce her, I want to keep you guys up to date on a big old project that I've been working on with my brand, Well Minerals. I have found a really solid formulation called Magnesium Lysinate Glycinate. Now, I have been doing a lot of research. Most of you know I have been really trying to figure out what is the ideal form for magnesium for kids. I really wanted to find a formulation that would – or find a type that would be really great for uh, sleep and relaxation and be super calming, I think for obvious reasons. I didn't want it to be magnesium citrate. I didn't want it to be anything that would be, you know, move fast through the digestive tract. And I wanted this to be highly absorbable. So I found this patented blend called magnesium lysinate glycinate. What it is, is it's actually magnesium bound to glycine and lysine. Both of those are amino acids. Lysine in particular has actually been found to significantly improve uh, the sleep quality and cognitive function and provide relief from chronic pain. And glycine has many properties to enhance the quality of sleep. So for me, it was like, this is perfect. However, it is very hard to find. And the forms that are available, because I actually wanted to take some myself, and the forms that are available are capsules that have a lot of added fillers and stuff that I just do not want in my supplements. So I have figured out a way to get this um, form to be dissolved in water for kids. So the Magnesium Kids drops are going to be coming out soon. No, I did not want to do a gummy because I'm just <laughs> done with the gummies. I, you know, they chew it at night and then it gets stuck in their teeth and then you can't, you know, brush their teeth well. It's just, it just, I just had enough. So it's going to be dropped. It's going to be completely unflavored. So you, because I heard you loud and clear, kids are picky. You don't want a flavor that they don't like. And I am 100% with you. And I'm actually also going to be coming out with, I decided this week that I'm going to go ahead and do an adult version, a capsulated adult version as well, because this is actually something that I really love to rotate in when I am struggling personally with my own sleep. And um, so most of you know, I'm a huge fan of rotating supplements. And I think that rotating this in in particular, if you really want to be focusing on improving sleep quality and relaxation and anxiety, this is the one to bring in. This form is the one to bring in. So you can give it to your kids. You can also take it yourself. I still don't know of a set launch date yet, but um, what I'm going to be doing is emailing out all this information. I'm also going to try to hook you guys up because I know a lot of you have been with me and you've been supporting me and helping me, like answering a lot of my questions and voting and all the things. You've really shaped my decisions and I so appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to be emailing everybody just like on a, um, a very specific well minerals or minerals email list and you can join that by going to coconutsandkettleballs.com slash minerals. While I am going to talk a little bit about minerals on my main newsletter list and you know, keep you guys, everybody in um, informed. I want to make the best use of our time. And I know that some people don't care about that. So I'm creating just a specific email list for people who want to know more about minerals and magnesium and potentially, you know, want the discounts and stuff like that. If and like when it, I'm not going to say if, when it launches. So um, this has been a very long road for me and I'm super excited to keep you guys in the loop. So again, coconutsandkettleballs.com slash minerals. You'll get a free mineral guide from me, but you'll also keep up to date with what's going on with Well Minerals and well this, where this stuff is is launching and when and 
all the things. So I'm really excited. Thank you guys for um, your support and you can learn more there. Now let me introduce Sarah. Sarah Greenfield is a functional medicine dietitian that specializes in microbiome restoration, poop, and helping women regain trust in their bodies. I love how she just threw poop in there. (laughs) She has worked as a clinical dietitian, supported large wellness brands in in programs developed like Nutribullet, Dr. Hyman, and Whom Nutrition, and she has been in private practice for over six years. She also did a pretty popular TED Talk called Does Poop Hold the Secret to Your Health, which we will link to in the show notes. So now let's get to the interview. Welcome back, Sarah. I'm excited to talk all things new gut health. I mean, we were just talking. We had I had you on a year and a half, two years ago. And there's so much more to talk about now that, you know, a few years have passed in in the gut health realm. Yes, I'm so excited. You have such an amazing community of women that are so curious and focused on their health. And I just love being a part of this conversation. Good. Okay. So there has been, I feel, and I'm sure you do too, but I just feel like there's been so much information distributed about how to improve gut health in recent years. Everybody has an opinion about it. And that has kind of exploded into programs and supplements and probiotics and enzymes. And, you know, these are all good things in theory, but it's also incredibly overwhelming for the modern woman. In the last decade, and I'm, you know, since we've kind of jumped into the health realm, you know, it used to be intestinal permeability is quackery. And now there is... And, you know, last I looked, tens of thousands of research articles about the gut microbiome and just how foundational it is to things like your immune function and autoimmunity and nutrient absorption and metabolism and all of those things. And so I wonder if maybe we could start a little bit simpler and in within our modern context. So, you know, social media, post-2020, like all the things, stress, you know, we're kind of this, I feel like a new world that we're living in, especially modern women are. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to their gut health? Mm. This is really interesting question. And what's coming up for me is to say only focusing on their gut health, which is such a a interesting response because we think, okay, my gut's imbalanced. I'm having digestive issues. I'm going to do a stool test. I'm going to focus on my gut. I'm going to take a probiotic. And our health is never isolated to one system. And I think that's where we get really stuck is like, okay, I have this one problem. I have to hone in. And oftentimes in our conventional medical system, we isolate things down so specifically to function, treat it with a medication. The kidney is separate from the heart. Like I've worked in a hospital and I've had these conversations where I'm like, "Um, this person hasn't eaten in five days. Do you think we could advance their diet? And they're like, well, I'm just the cardiologist. And I'm like, okay, well, do we understand? Like it's all connected. So I think that's one thing that can get really um, just... We can get hyper-focused on one area of the body, not recognizing that there's so many other layers and so many other areas that impact gut health. And we often think, like I said, the probiotics, the what can I eat? What can I take out of my diet? How can I limit myself? How can I you know, fix this when we totally overlook potentially the emotional aspect or what our blood work can show us? And there's just such a more holistic way to approach gut health. And it's probably the least simple area to focus on because it's so for women, 
it's so tied into our emotional well-being and our belief system and our connection and all the things. So Mm. that's, (laughs) I don't know if that's the most concise answer, but really I think that's the biggest mistake is just saying, I'm going to fix this with a probiotic. I'm going to fix this with a digestive enzyme. I'm going to go to the GI doctor and they're going to tell me exactly what to do when it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, our gut is telling us something and it is wildly intuitive and wildly connected to our emotions. How can I take a step back and actually look at and honor almost where I'm at and what I need? Oh my gosh, I love that answer because I do feel like the majority of people don't recognize that. They're always looking for a supplement or um, an elimination diet to solve their gut issues and completely like ignore the big red flags that are like waving away and being like, hello, this is a problem, but they're ignoring it because they, oh no, it's just neat. What food am I allergic to? Or what food is coming up here? Or what does my stool test say? So I love that answer. I don't think it was any, um, like, I don't think, you know, there was, it was not a coincidence that when I was young, when I was young, like eight or nine, I started having panic attacks because I threw up everywhere in a store. Sorry guys. Um, but like, I, I just, you know, vomited everywhere and it was like really, um, kind of like a traumatic experience I was holding onto. And I started having panic attacks. And at the same time I started having IBS. Mm. And so it's like, you, you, like, I can clearly see those connections. And it was actually very easy for me to kind of like work myself out of that trauma. I just had to have somebody sit down and kind of talk me through it. But it was no question to me that that's like connected because they both started the exact same time. So, um, this is a great segue because last time when you were here, we talked about the gut hormone connection. And this time I'd love to really talk about the connection between the gut and the nervous system. You had a quote on your Instagram that said, you will never heal your gut without regulating your nervous system. So what exactly is the nervous system and how is it connected to our gut? Yeah, so when I think about the nervous system, I specifically think about scientifically the um, something we have called the HPA axis, which is our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal connection. So when we see something in the world, our brain, our hypothalamus is going to process that. It's going to send hormones, a signal to our pituitary gland, which then stimulates our adrenals to release cortisol. And so it gives us this ability, a very important ability to kind of rise to the occasion or run from danger or whatever we need to get energized to move our bodies. And when we are constantly bombarded with external stimuli and just like, you know, having that flood of cortisol, it becomes really dysregulating. And unfortunately in our society now, this has just kind of been normalized. You know, it's like the idea, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead or, you know, productivity is our greatest marker of success. What are you doing? What are you producing? And that doesn't give our nervous system any time, any chance to downregulate. So then we're in this, you know, we've heard fight or flight, constant overwhelm, And that impacts our gut. That literally changes the diversity of our microbiome. And we can see that from research from mice models that have been exposed to high levels of stress. And then you can actually see their diversity change. So it's really important to think about, again, kind of back to the first thing, like it's not always just about our gut function, but it's how are we arriving? How are we feeling? How are we able to move through the day? I often think like when we talk about trauma, which is a beautiful topic that has gotten a lot of traction. And I think it's really important to understand that. But when we talk about trauma, there's um, this, they they term it like the zone of resiliency. How 
are you able to move through your day and stay in this zone of resiliency where there's a charge and you're like, okay, that bothered me, but I'm able to kind of, you know, feel it and then stay within this window. But when we're experiencing trauma or when we are dysregulated, we have this charge and it just knocks us out of our zone of resiliency. And then we have these highs of anxiety or panic or whatever that, you know, energetic intensity is. And then we dip down into these lows of the depression and the, I can't do anything or I'm defeated and overwhelmed. And it's just this like very intense uh, space to be in. And our guts are feeling all of that. We have this beautiful nerve that runs from the back of our brain down our body called the vagus nerve. And it's the gut brain superhighway. And neurotransmitters are constantly going bi-directionally from brain to gut. And um, we just have to be cognizant of our stress. And I think sometimes that gets so overused, like, oh, well, you just have to manage your stress and just don't stress. But it is, I think sometimes when I, I think of it in the context of what that's doing to our physiological body, it just helps to kind of ground it into like, oh, okay, this is literally changing the way my gut is functioning, the way my body is physiologically, like my hormones, all of the things. So that's, yeah, that's what I think about when we're talking about the nervous system and its regulation on the gut. Cause they're very like with, through that vagus nerve and through the neurotransmitters, they're just so intrinsically linked. And it's hard to say, like, it's like chicken or egg. It's like, did you have this perception? And then that kicked off the issue and now your gut's dysregulated or did your gut initiate the the signal? to your brain. And now you're feeling dysregulated in that capacity. So it's just like awareness around that. And just really like there is a connection and we have to be mindful of how we feel. Yeah. What are some things that disrupt our nervous system? And are those symptoms like, maybe I should ask this question afterwards, but (laughs) because I have a habit of like tagging on all these questions. You know, I wonder if there are any specific symptoms of this sort of dysregulation that are different from the other traditional negative gut symptoms? So how would somebody even be able to know like, oh, my gut symptoms are because my nervous system is dysregulated? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's really about cultivating that pause and that time and space to sit and connect to your body. Because when you're in that overwhelm, when you're in that either fight or flight or more of the depressive state. How is your body feeling? How is your gut functioning? And when we take that time to be still and be silent, that's where we can start to hone in on our intuition and really just connect. So I think it's really just like, I love saying like curiosity and awareness. If we start to tap into that, it's like, okay, even your story, you know, like correlating back to having a panic attack and seeing that that impacted your gut. If we can start to make those slight connections, then it gives us more of that empowered state to be like, okay, I see the cause and effect and I see how I can actively manage that or moderate that and, you know, reclaim my power in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what are some things that we should be doing to regulate our nervous system? And should we be doing this like on a daily or, you know, by daily or weekly basis? Yeah, I I think it's really important to take the time to just be silent. <laughs> like that there's there's beauty in silence and there's things that we can do daily that are very impactful. But I always like to preface this with what feels good for you because I feel like I can create this laundry list like oh you have to do these things and these things to regulate the gut, but I always want people to kind of take it into context of where's the line between 
where you feel empowered versus where you feel overwhelmed. And it's like another thing on your to-do list. Cause I see that happen frequently yeah. where it's like, well, you should be meditating and you should be doing this. And then our self-care becomes like a full-time job that we've already failed at because every day there's so many more things that we can do. So I think it's like learning about the the techniques. Like, I mean, for me, being in nature is so critical and there's science behind the phytoncides and how, you know, it just kind of grounds us into our humanity and our like almost where we come from. We are nature. So that is a really important thing for regulating the nervous system. Like I said, quiet time, breathing, especially when you have digestive issues, diaphragmatic breathing can be really helpful to regulate because that's like the deep belly breathing that can help stimulate the vagal nerve. Is that something different? Like, is it just taking a deep breath and like pushing your stomach out or what is that exactly? Yeah. So it's filling, it's like starting with filling the belly and then the lungs. So it's just a kind of a different way where you're filling up your belly and then your lungs instead of it's breathing with intention, essentially. So you're getting that oxygen down into your gut, you're stimulating your gut and then, you know, going to your chest and then exhaling. Okay. I can see how that feels different. Do do you blow it all out at the same time? Like from the same? Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anytime we work with the breath, it can be really profound, but specifically for gut stuff, I really like the diaphragmatic breathing. The other piece that I've been really diving into recently is more of it's this sense of self. Cause again, there's all, I think in the wellness world, you're the people that listen to this podcast are pretty well educated on health. I would say like they have a high health understanding. So when we say like manage your stress, I feel like everyone can probably list 10 things they should be doing. And it's really like, okay, well, what, what do we need and how do we ground into who am I and how do I move through the world? So for me being like very, I'm very science oriented. I love labs. I love stool testing. I love putting together these big wellness pictures for people. And I've thought a lot about, okay, well, how do we do that in this self-love, self-compassion space where it's not so theoretical, but we can ground it more in something that is tangible. So I personally like to give myself and my clients just structure and say, okay, here's, here's kind of who you are. Here's how you fit into the bigger picture of the culture and your gifts and your talents. And when you are out of alignment, you're going to notice that through frustration or anger, and you need to make decisions in a quiet place alone, or you need to talk it through with people and just giving people those little gems of like, this is who you are and this is how you move. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of constantly, you know, I feel like we're constantly fighting. I shouldn't be this way. I should be able to sit down and create a meditation practice. Why can't I make this happen? Why, you know, and then we go into this really challenging spiral of self-defeat. And that's honestly one of the biggest things I see in my clients in my world is women come into my space when they are totally overwhelmed and totally defeated. And that's where we're starting from. Mm -hmm. So I know we're talking about nervous system regulation and how to do that on a daily basis. But I think these are really key pieces that have to be addressed is just how do you show up for you and what do you need and how do you make decisions feeling confident that they are right for you instead of the scrolling doom where you're like, but that person did it this way. And this email told me this. And it's like, oh my gosh, I've been in this, in this world for a long time in this wellness industry and it's overwhelming for me. And I study this and I breathe this and I, you know, I'm a human having a human experience in my nutrition and health and man, is it overwhelming. (laughs) So I'm like, where can we find these little gems to ground ourselves in 
what it is that we need because you and I are going to need probably different things. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's beautiful. And I'm going to own mine and you're going to own yours. And we're going to be like, yes, I can hear all the suggestions, but like, I got this because I know what I inherently need. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the really incredible things about getting older too. And just experience like with your own self as you move through the world is that you start once you start moving away slowly from trying to please other people and man and live up to other people's expectations and show up in the way you want you think the world wants you to ex- you know, show up and you start taking a step back and saying like okay who am i what do i want what are my priorities what do i value then it it's this ultimate freedom where you can you don't you, you don't scroll and say, oh, I need to look like that, or oh, I need to do that more. Or, oh, and you don't you stop feeling a lot of shame for what you aren't. And you start stepping into what you are. And you don't apologize, you don't have to apologize for it. You know, I think that's like one of the best things about being in your 30s is you kind of it's like this transition phase where you just stop caring about what other people are saying about you or saying about what makes a person productive or attractive or whatever. And you start stepping into what's right for me right now and that body awareness and that that you know intuition with just your your food and exercise and all those things can work so much more beautifully with your physiology than trying to fight it by doing something somebody else says so i love that i love that perspective and that to me what you just described that's how you heal your gut hmm. that is like in its core and its essence how you heal your gut i should say one piece you know the the labs and the science are important as well because we want to understand just as much as we want to understand who we are we want to understand our potential imbalances and where we can correct things but coming into that piece is mm-hmm. where people can step into that long-term sustainable healing yeah okay so let's jump into some hot topics here cuz this is going to be uh kind of like we're going to we're jumping around but these are all things people are talking about so first yeah. off is stool testing should we all be getting a stool test done? And are they actually comprehensive enough to tell us if something is like wrong in our gut? Yes. Well, I love stool testing. I've loved stool testing since the moment I found it. And I think it's not it's not black and white. Like if you do, because it kind of goes back to what I was talking about. Like when we isolate and look at one thing and we're like, I'm just going to look at my gut. We're missing how it functions with the entire rest of our body. So stool testing, I do that with all my clients. So yes, it is important. And yes, I do recommend it. However, I never recommend it in isolation. I think it's a really important piece to have when you're looking at blood work, when you're looking at food sensitivities, and when you have the intention of what can we learn from this to move forward and get grounded and get more clarity in our gut healing journey. When we're looking, because stool testing is, it changes. I mean, our gut is impacted by what we eat. It's impacted by what we think. So it's constantly changing. So you can do a stool test from one day to the next and have varied results within that. So it's really important to take it into context and say, okay, what am I experiencing? And how does this validate or show me a different way to think through this? So yes, I use stool testing, but I look at it in a way that gives me context and clarity. And I don't just use it as, okay, here's our roadmap and this is what's going to guide us. But how does it make sense in the bigger picture of who you are as a human? If you struggle with chronic pain or muscle tension or even tightness from chronic stress, 
I have a new product for you from Bond Charge, and it quite possibly could change your life. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way, from blue light glasses to EMF management to their new infrared sauna blanket. Bond Charge has all the high-quality and effective products you are looking for. I use Bond Charge blue light blocking orange glasses every night, starting two hours before bed, and I wear the computer glasses when looking at screens. Both have made such a a massive difference in my headaches and sleep. And just last month, I finally invested in a sauna blanket from Bond Charge. I've had my eye on it for a long time because it's the most affordable one out there that provides high quality far infrared light in a convenient and easy to use blanket setup. I am now 100% a sauna blanket super fan. I look forward to it every night. I typically lay it out on my bed, hit the button to heat it up, and sit inside of it at night while watching TV after the kids go down. Far infrared light works by heating the body up directly, which speeds up your metabolism and sweat rate. It also relaxes muscles and reduces muscle tension. And I've already noticed a big shift in my soreness and chronic pain. Ultimately, it's an incredible way to support your lymphatic system and detoxification, which, frankly, we all need to be more proactive about. You will feel relaxed, re-energized, and recover better. If you've been eyeing saunas, I couldn't recommend this more. And we have a deal which you will not find anywhere else. Go to bondcharge.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed to save 20%. That's bondcharge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com forward slash wellfed. Use the code wellfed to save 20%. That's $140 off your very own sauna blanket. What are your favorite stool tests or ones that you find are – so can somebody go to their doctor, their their primary care doctor, and say, hey, I want to run a stool test? Would the doctor know what to do? Or is this something that like you have to do with a functional medicine practitioner, and then what, which ones do you recommend? Yeah, typically this is something you have to do with a functional practitioner. The conventional stool test will look at inflammatory markers like calprotectin. They will assess for parasites. Um, they'll usually look at fecal occult blood, but that's kind of it. And then within the functional test, you can see all of those things. Plus you're looking at microbiome diversity. You're looking at pancreatic elastase to see how enzymes are functioning. We're looking for yeast overgrowth. We're looking for H. pylori. We're looking for pathogens and viruses. So there's just a more in-depth perspective and, and data point that we get with conventional stool testing. So I typically like to use GI map. Mm-hmm. Um, that is PCR testing which is kind of like, I would say a lot of practitioners use that. And then there's shotgun testing, which is uh, the BiomeFX. BiomeFX, yes, that's the company. Microbiome Labs has a stool test that's shotgun and shotgun's a little bit more um, precise. So I Mm -hmm. like that one because it gives us just a better understanding of the microbiome families. I think JMAP is a little bit more action oriented and, and gives more of like a comprehensive look but BiomeFX is my other one. I also like another one um, called Tiny Health, which is yes. for mommies and kiddos. And I've run that on myself and my child because it just gives me, again, the bacterial diversity. And being a practitioner, I know like what to do with that. And I don't always want to be like, I'm not always like, oh, there's a pathogen, let's kill it. Because the gut is this beautiful symbiotic relationship of bacteria, of fungus, of parasites even. They're all working together mostly for our highest and best good, or they want to, right? Because if they kill us, 
then they're dead. So <laughs> they're gone. They're, they're they're looking at like how do we create and sustain life within this organism that we reside in. So I truly believe that you know we are inherently not broken. We just have to learn how to work within the system that we have. And so for me, when I'm working with kids or you know doing work on my own child, it's really about how do we look at diversity and enhance diversity so that we can trust the body can come online and do what it needs to to clear out other things. Um, so that's just one way that I like to work, but those are tests. And then vibrant wellness has um, the gut zoomer, which is another one that I like. So those are kind of like my top go-to stool tests. If someone is not symptomatic, but you find, you know, dysbiosis or, you know, these bad bacteria or out of balance, are you going after it and trying to put it back into balance with antimicrobials or whatever? Or is that something you really only recommend if somebody is like symptomatic and has issues? Because, you know, you're you're talking to a lot of women who want to be proactive. And so all of them are going to be like, I want to take a stool test. And there are things that are going to come up. So should we go down the rabbit hole of fix it all? Yeah. And that's me to a T. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I call myself a disorganized type A, but I am like a doer, a fixer, a solver. I love that. That's what I thrive in. And I think sometimes we have to kind of take a step back and, and really look at, all right, if if you are asymptomatic from digestive, from a digestive perspective, and again, this is why I never do things in isolation. I want to understand like, what does your blood work say? Because blood work is one of our most, in my opinion, as a practitioner, one of our most valuable and underutilized resources, because it's the language of how me as a functional practitioner can communicate to your conventional medicine doctor that something is imbalanced because blood work is that language. It bridges the gap between what I'm doing and what they're doing. So I always like to look at inflammatory markers, nutrient markers, liver function, detox capabilities via blood work, you know, just a simple, like what you would get run at the doctor, um, like a metabolic panel and a lipid profile can give us really good context into what's going on in the body. So I like to stool test, blood test, food sensitivity to really see like, where are these key imbalances? What are we even after? And then also, you know, none of that without how do you view yourself and what is your connection? Like for me, it comes down to science, self and connection. And those are the three pillars I'm always moving through. Like, do we have the right data on all of that? So I just think doing your own stool test And doing it as a singular approach is not going to move the needle. It might make you feel better in that window of like, okay, I need to do something. I I found some parasites or pathogens. I'm going to take an antimicrobial and I'm going to ramp up on the probiotics. And maybe you'll feel good for a little bit. But having been in this space for a long time and talking to so many women, it's so hard to create that sustainable long-term healing when we just are like, I see it. I fix it. It's black. It's white. I supplement. I do this. It's like, if you want to heal, it is not, this is like the most defeating thing I say, but like true healing is not the easy way. It is a challenging path where we are uncovering and looking at all the things that have brought you to this moment where you're like, I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't just happen. Like you don't usually just wake up and you're like, I don't feel good. It's habits. It's beliefs. It's so many things that layer onto where we arrive in that moment. I am 100% with you on that. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned food sensitivity testing. Has anything that you've, I know we, I think we probably talked about that a few years ago. Are you still um, team food sensitivity tests? Because there's a lot of people who says, no, they're not accurate or your real problem is intestinal permeability. So you're going to react to everything. So 
Is there like a gold standard or a specific test that you like to use and recommend? Yeah. So I love um, the MRT test because it gives us that endpoint mediators. So we're looking not at IgG, which is most food tests like your Everlywell, your Pinner test, um, even a lot of tests that I see a lot of naturopathic doctors run. I guess really any food sensitivity test that is, <laughs> isn't the MRT test is typically going to be IgG. So looking at just what is your body reacting to? And what happens there is it doesn't quantify it as, is this a problematic reaction or is this just your body reacting because we react to things? So MRT allows us to see like, is your immune system actually involved? So I like to use that because the women that I work with are typically in a point where they are in pain, their body is overwhelmed, they're greatly impacted by their digestive health. So we need to find a solution to say, let's get that burden off your body right now. What can we do to just pull any type of burden we can. And when we can measure and see that these foods are impacting your immune function, taking those out is a really good place to start. And then we reintroduce them. But I just find we have to start getting the body, the burden off so that the body can come back online and start to function. Because yes, leaky gut permeability, of course, you're going to be more reactive. But if you are even reactive to something and you can take it out in, I, I do it for two months, then it's still going to pull that burden off and not irritate your gut lining. And that's why I always pair it with a stool test because now we can work on the function, diversity, resiliency of your gut while we're also taking burden from the food. So it's like going back to, should you run a stool test in isolation? I wouldn't. Should you run a MRT test in isolation? I wouldn't because you're missing these two really beautiful pieces of how they come together and ultimately impact your digestive health. That was described better than I think I've ever heard it before. So I appreciate that. Like made so much sense. It was like light bulb. Okay. So that was great. Parasites. This is another big topic that is completely overwhelming to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sure I have parasites. People are like, if you eat sushi, then you have parasites. If you've traveled, do you have parasites? I'm like, okay, of course I do. Like, yes. So um, how common are parasite infections? I'll say like, you know, prob like parasites are at the root of people's gut dysfunction and how do they get there? Yeah. Parasites are so tricky because they are hard to measure. Actually, they can, they can kind of hide or not show up, even though we're doing PCR stool testing, which is literally looking at DNA fragments for parasites. It it would be the most effective way to look for them, but they are tricky. They hide. So with parasites, I would say it's not uncommon for me to find parasites or um, just some sort of pathogenic worm or protozoa in someone's stool test. It's it's common, especially especially in kids. It can come up a lot more like diatomoeba, blastocyst hominis. Those can kind of exist more in a child's ecosystem. And there's research to say, yes, we need to clear those. And actually, those can be part of the symbiotic relationship of a child's gut. So that's super fascinating. But yeah, I mean, they pop up. They're not they're not uncommon. And so when I do see them again, I'm looking at, all right, well, how is this impacting the overall person, the overall symptoms? And then typically I will want to work on some type of removal while also strengthening the resiliency of bacterial diversity because our bodies can clear things out and handle things when it is strong and resilient. Um. We talk a lot about parasites in the groups that I run because 
people have them and they poop them out. And we talk about like, what does it feel like? What happened? Like, what did it look like? And people send me pictures of worms in their poop all the time. I think a super interesting way to tune in to this parasite conversation and something that I've heard that sounds really woo, but it's also founded in in science is that parasites tend to become more active around a full moon because there's that energetic pull and the moon just, I mean, we are so much water and the moon just has such a deep pull on everything that parasites can start to like just get a little more frisky. So that's a good time to test. It's also a good time to take any sort of anti-parasitic supplements. I've heard that. And I've heard really smart people say that who are like not in not woo. And so I'm like, oh, that must really be a thing. I didn't like you say that, like, oh, with, you know, do it with the moons. You're like, I don't think so. But it actually that make it does make sense when you look at it. Um yeah. okay. You can so do that in kids, like right. That's where I find there's a little bit easier of a correlation because we can be desensitized and just disconnected from our bodies. But with kids, when you start to link up, oh, they didn't sleep or you know, like when you start to look at what was the moon like, there can be correlations and patterns to that. Super mm. interesting. Yeah, so crazy. Um, okay, so should we all be doing a parasite cleanse? And what do you do to get rid of them? <sighs> I don't think we all should be doing a parasite cleanse. I do think that we should all be focusing on how do we create diversity and a resilient microbiome. I mean, if you're pooping out worms, if you're seeing them in your poop, then yes, a parasite cleanse would be ideal. And there's different ways to go about it. There's so many different protocols. I really personally like um, Cellcore. They have a good brand and, and line like Para 1, Para 2. They have a couple different other ones they recommend. And that can be really great. You can do just like the boxed parasite cleanses if you want to just give it a try. It, it's not it's not detrimental to the microbiome, but it's just not something I would do constantly over and over again. Um, I would, again, focus on how can you hone in on what you're eating and create more diversity there? Are you eating fermented foods? Are you getting sunlight exposure? Are you sleeping well? Those are all things. Are you regulating your nervous system? Those are all things that will also help enhance the diversity of your microbiome to be able to be more resilient against whatever is coming in. Mm -hmm. And so what, like, cause there, you know, I've seen back in the day, Paul Check used to talk a lot about parasites. He was always talking about, par it's a parasite, you have a parasite. And that was his answer. You know how it used to be like gluten. So his, his answer, everything was a parasite. And so um, this was like 10, 15 years ago. And so I remember, I think we did his parasite cleanse and it was like, you took like maybe a couple capsules and like this powder formula. Um, but now, like I've looked at the one from Cellcore, which you do have to have a practitioner to to take it or to, to order it, but it seems like that's more intensive, like just more like supplements that are kind of cleansing and pushing the parasites out. So is that something that somebody should sort of like ease into or because I know people are now going to be going looking at supplements and stuff, but is it something you have to be very careful with or what, you know, what's kind of the process, the modern process? Yeah. I mean, there's a way to kind of start at a smaller dose and then increase as you get closer to the full moon. That's the ideal way, in my opinion, to do it. But again, I think it's all like intention. Like, why are you after it? What are the, what are the symptoms that you're having? What are you hoping to overcome and heal doing this parasite cleanse? Cause we can do it and we can spend hundreds of dollars on it. But like, ultimately, is that going to move the needle? Or is that just going to be something else you invest your money in and feel defeated and feel unsure? Did that work? Did I have a parasite? Well, what, like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like 
in the parasite realm, we get really um, just kind of like washed into the sensationalism of like, if you have a dark circle under your eye, or if you get a pimple, that's a parasite. If you're, you know, and it's like, okay, how can we, like, there's just so much noise. And I think parasites is a really good example of that, where it's like, yes, it makes sense in my brain. If I have a worm or a foreign critter, like to get it out and that it's taking my nutrients, but like, is it really, you know, Mm -hmm. that's like my question is like, when we start to spiral and look for what's the solution, if I clear the parasite, then yes, all my problems are going to be solved. Like, what is our intention behind that? Do we want to like feel what it feels like and connect to our body and see and experiment? Fine. Like I love to do that, but are we using it as a bandaid to, um, just get that quick fix and move on instead of doing deeper exploration? You mentioned that like when you clear out parasites, you're trying to strengthen the gut microbiome or the bacteria, the maybe the diversity. How are you going? Because everybody, you know, the that's what we're told. That's why we're told we should, we should take probiotics is, you know, <laughs> strengthening your gut microbiome diversity. So what are what are some things that you do with within your practice to strengthen the gut microbiome at the same time, you know, you're doing other things, whether it's cleansing a parasite or trying to, you know, bring the body back into balance. One of the things that I think is the most important, like uh, probiotics, yes, very important, but I think we kind of stop there and then we don't take it further to say, well, how do we feed these probiotics? Whether like if we're supplementing and we're going to establish a new colony or like new bacteria in there from the probiotic, which doesn't often happen. Usually they colonate and like they're there for the time that we take that supplement and then they move on. But how do we establish that, you know, sustainability of the bacteria and prebiotics, I think are so important and really challenging because sometimes when people just start supplementing with prebiotics, they can exacerbate a lot of bloating. They can change our bowel movements. They can be a challenging supplement to tolerate but I like to look at, okay, well, what are we seeing? What bacteria are low? Where do we need to really supplement? And I like to use very specific types of prebiotics because that's something that you can take long-term that actually does increase diversity and helps the establishment of bacterial families. And um, we don't get enough of that in our diets. Like most people aren't eating tons of dandelion greens or artichoke or green banana flour, like it's just not staples in our diet. So if we can get more um, like galacto-oligosaccharides, fructo-oligosaccharides, the XOS, like all of those things are really important to diversify and feed the gut. And almost even beyond like what we, I think can always understand, because we don't even know like for everyone what the right diversity is, but we do know that feeding bacteria and stabilizing and maintaining diversity and health of our gut is super important. So probiotics, and then really being intentional with prebiotics, I think is one of the most impactful things that I've found that helps people after a removal phase, after taking probiotics, after working on their gut to really sustain the results that they've had. And are you mostly doing prebiotics through supplements or are you giving them the whole form of what what you're saying? Both. Okay. I think supplements, I personally think supplements Probiotic supplements are crucial as we're restoring. Um, And then maybe after three, four, five months, you can start to, I mean, you're still going to be bringing in other aspects of your diet, but then you can start to pull off of those and say like, okay, how do I feel? Can I get enough of these good, rich, diverse foods and prebiotics? But a prebiotic 
it's just so powerful when you find the right one that you can tolerate. Hmm. Okay. Um, next one, resistance starch. So what exactly is this? I have seen more people um, like recommending it as a supplement too. So why is this such an important thing and how do we get it in? Good, good transition because resistance starch is a prebiotic. So that's another great way to get good prebiotic sources in our food. And when I think about resistant starch, like the green banana flower is high levels of resistant starch. And essentially that's starch that doesn't spike our blood sugar and also feeds and nourishes our bacteria. So it's kind of like a win-win. Um, so yeah, like green banana flower is a good source, cooled white rice, cooled white potatoes. Those are really good sources of resistant starch. So again, like I think- Love some rice. I'm down. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, sushi. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's like that stickiness that like when you see sushi rice, it is sticky. I know oftentimes it has sugar added, but like that's the, that's the actual physical visualization of what resistant starch looks like. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. Um, let's talk about kids gut health. Cause this is another thing you and I were talking about before we jumped on and it's hard when, especially, you know, you can control a little bit more when they're babies and toddlers, but as they start to go out into the world and into school, their exposure to all these things that you wouldn't necessarily want your kid to be exposed to increases. I also think our kids are probably pretty stressed. Um, they live, especially in the modern world, like they live in a go, go, go productive society. They're in school all day. They, you know, they're in sports. And then, you know, kid, a lot of kids are now have cell phones and iPads and tea. Like we're just, they're just constantly going. So what are some things that we can be doing on a daily basis just some simple things to help our, like facilitate a healthy gut for our kids. Yeah. Um, well, I think one like modeling is a really important thing for our children to see it. Like just with the technology piece or what we're eating, if we're showing, like if we're at dinner on the phone, scrolling through Instagram, it's not showing our children that we have a healthy relationship with technology or if we're, you know, like eating things that we're not feeding our child, they're going to see that. Especially I've read a lot about um, children looking at their their dads and they take a lot of eating cues off their fathers, which I thought is super fascinating. Mm -hmm. So really being cohesive as a family and saying like, this is how we eat. This is how we approach mealtime. Um, and that can help so much because it gives the child... And I can only speak... I have a two and a half year old. So I'm thinking, and I have the experience of parenting a two and a half year old and and really focusing on his gut. And really it's about like exposure when they're young, not falling into like, oh, well, they can only have these things. Like I give my child sardines and he loves them. And I, my husband eats them. I like try and eat them, but just giving them exposure. I think it's before they're 18 months is really important. Just they'll be more receptive to a lot of different flavors. So like sauerkraut he was eating. And like I said, the sardines, and just trying to say, like, can I diversify his palate? Lots of vegetables. And then we kind of have to let go to a certain point because they are going to be in the world. And just reinforcing that at home, we don't get those foods or we don't eat that way. Or we have different options for that sweet treat. And just laying that foundation because we can't control every aspect of it. So I do let my child, like when we go to birthday parties... For a long time, I would just remove him from the cake or we would leave before they would do happy birthday because <laughs> he didn't care. And it was just like he was still there having the social experience. And then we just left for the cake, which was usually at the end anyway. 
Um, but also allowing him to have those moments of making a choice and trying not to demonize or say like, oh, that's bad. You shouldn't have that because that can be really easy trap to fall into as well because our guts are going to thrive on like I keep coming back to the word diversity, but that's really what it is. And it's not like, oh, this one food's going to ruin their gut. It's like, how do we, I think, create healthy foundations at home so they get a lot of diversity so that when they are out in the world, they can have you know, they can be exposed to different things that maybe aren't as healthy, but they come home and they know, all right, this is what makes me feel good. If you are merely trying to exist in the modern world, you likely deal with anxiety, stress, and maybe sleep issues on a semi-regular basis. And one of the things that's not talked about often that can help support stress and anxiety is magnesium. Many people understand that magnesium helps sleep, but the body needs magnesium for so much more than that. Magnesium is involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions, and about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium, especially women, because stress burns through magnesium. One critical thing that you can do today to support your adrenals, hormones, and mental health is to take a compound magnesium supplement like magnesium breakthrough. Stress and anxiety deplete your magnesium levels and low magnesium actually contributes to more stress on the body. So it's a vicious cycle. By supplementing with Magnesium Breakthrough, you can break that cycle because you'll be getting seven unique forms of full-spectrum magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. I have been taking two every night before bed for many years, and it's one of the only nutrients that is an absolute must for me daily. For our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10 and use the code wellfed10 to save 10%. For any reason you don't love it, you can get a full refund for up to a year after your purchase. And for a limited time, if you buy three bottles, you can get exciting gifts with purchase like blue light blocking glasses and more. Again, that's magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10. Use the code wellfed10 to get 10% off. Do you think I've many questions? Do you think that kids should be on a probiotic? And or um, maybe enzymes. I've actually been looking into that a little bit more because we're when we travel, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. The exposure's hard. The travel's hard, and you don't want your kid to have you know to suffer or have a stomach ache because if you do eat different at home, you're you're going to have a different experience when you're out and eating out and traveling. So, what do you do? You have recommendations, and or do you think that's even a good idea? I do. I think, you know, if it works for an adult where we're saying like, well, our food systems are depleted and we don't get what we need and we have, you know, a higher stress life and a higher paced life, it's happening in our kids. There's no way that it's not. So I think, I mean, I personally give my child probiotics. I've done stool testing on him using tiny health to see like, what does he actually need? And we did probiotics and prebiotics. Um, He was specifically low in bifidobacteria. So I supplement him with lactobacillus and bifidobacteria blend. Um, Mary Ruth's has really great products for kids. I love her stuff. We do um, her vitamin D, her probiotics, which is just liquid and it's super easy for him to take it and he likes it. I also really um, think doing things like, there's a product called um, ion, which is humic acid and fulvic yes. acid. Those are components of soil. This is kind of a bigger, like I have a little bit of a tangent here because when we think about the microbiome, our microbiome is a community of bacteria. When we think about soil and gardening and things growing in the dirt, that functions based on 
a community of bacteria communicating with each other and trying to do what's best for the community. So that's, that's like mirror, right? Like what's happening in the soil is happening in our gut and something like humic acid, fulvic acid, these are compounds of soil, like things that are decaying in the soil that help inform the bacteria of how to make better decisions when it comes to overall health. So I think personally, like that's something I want my child to have exposure to. So he and I take that every day, just the the gut ion and the humic acid, because it's just giving our bacteria a better opportunity to communicate with each other in the most simplest, basic way. It's called quorum sensing when the bacteria are like, Ooh, I've learned something. And now I'm going to inform the community of what I've learned. <laughs> and that's where it also is like, our microbiome is so complex and it does things that we don't fully understand. So as a practitioner and, you know, as someone that's obsessed with the gut, I also approach it like, how can we give it what it needs so that it can function and kind of go path of least resistance and not get into like, kill, 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 kill. Because if we support and nourish, what can our body learn, overcome, and understand? So that's kind of digression and <laughs> tangent off that. But I thought that's a really important piece to understand because I think about that in relation to like, how do I support my child's gut health without overdoing it and changing what is there, but just really nurturing and supporting? So probiotics, the humic fulvic acid, really, really important. And then, um, I mean, I think enzymes are are a great thing to try or even bitters or getting them to eat bitter foods before their meals can also stimulate bile production and that hydrochloric acid response. Mm. So you can play around with like, okay, do we need to supplement this or can we just, you know, try and get them to eat something bitter? I don't know. I think my kid would like eat it and be like, like sometimes he likes bitter. He likes apple cider vinegar. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like, how do we involve them in it? How can we lean on food and then also utilize supplements, but in a very supportive way, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. So I, ha I did have on my list humic acid and fulvic acid because a lot of people are talking about it now. I think some famous person, maybe a Kardashian, I don't know, talked about how they use, you know, the liquid drops and they added it to their water or whatever. And it is like, it looks like it's like a black substance. And I'm like, what is this stuff? But people are going nuts over it. And I find it super interesting because I'm like, well, does, does it, what are, we, what are we using this for? So it's interesting that it actually helps our microbiome communicate. And that makes sense why there would be a lot of benefit to that. Because like, if you're actually looking at what it is, it looks like soil, Yep. But what you're saying is yes, it, it doesn't is. actually, it doesn't have prebiotics. It doesn't have probiotics in it. It's literally just helps our microbiome communicate. And then maybe you can answer this, maybe not. But like, I find it added to a lot of sup supplements. Maybe some people will like put minerals in with it. Does it actually help things be digested better or? Yeah, it helps with absorption. So I would say kind of its two functionalities are enhanced absorption. And then also it can support detox to some capacity. So that's, that's kind right. of its underlying, like, yes, it's helping them communicate and ultimately creating that ability for better absorption and detox. Got it. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the detox. It's like community support. We're not killing, we're not feet. We're just like supporting the, the ability of the gut to function at a high level. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So questions from the community with our, with our last uh, few minutes here. 
This one's from Robin. I like this question because it's very general. She says, what's the best supplement to take for gut health? Well, you know what? I'm going to stick with the humic acid. <laughs> I think that is, I think that's your best place to start just because there's so much chaos and it, the probiotic conversation can get really um, intense. But I think if you're starting simply and just looking at how do I keep my gut functioning at a high level, a humic acid supplement would be ideal, actually, in my recommendation. Mm. Wow. I did not expect that. That's so interesting. Okay. So this is from Liz. She says, if we have had to do a round of antibiotics because we have some infection like strep, what can we do to keep our keep up our gut bacteria? So ideally, probiotic and prebiotic while you're doing the antibiotics is the best thing to do. I always have my clients do the combination of those two. I, I know what my clients need, um, but just like a soil-based probiotic is usually pretty well tolerated by most people with digestive issues. So you can do that. You can do a live strain blend, but whatever it is, you want to make sure you have the probiotic while you're taking the antibiotic and take it away. Like if you're taking your antibiotics in the morning, take your probiotic at night because it will kill everything if you take them together. But that's going to give yourself the best, the best fighting chances is to have that probiotic and prebiotic. So another prebiotic that I really like that's super well tolerated is sun fiber, um, which is partially hydrolyzed guar gum. Acacia fiber is another one that's really easy to tolerate. Again, I work with women with digestive issues. So if I throw a bunch of prebiotics, usually they bloat up and they hate me. <laughs> They're like, yeah. oh, but those two are pretty mild and usually well tolerated. And you take the prebiotic at the same time as the probiotic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This one's from Sarah. She says, okay, TMI, but, uh, and I told her, I said, there's no such thing as TMI. It's okay, Sarah. Mm -hmm. She says, mm -hmm. chronic foul smelling gas for years. GI map shows dysbiosis. I've done all the things, SIBO tests and treatments, all the diets, parasite protocols, different probiotics, et cetera, and nothing has helped long-term. And she has, because she always is like telling me all the things that she's done. I've always, I'm always fine in the morning, but as the days go on and I have, and I have more and more food in my stomach, I get super gassy. By the evening, I am a balloon every dang night. I have bowel movements daily, exercise, and eat great. Not sure what I'm missing. Yeah. So here's a really good example of kind of what I've been talking about the whole time is we can do all the protocols. We can look at the gut. We can do all the things and drive ourselves insane and not get those long-term sustainable results. So in this case, what I would want to do, I haven't seen the GI map, but if there is dysbiosis and my brain's like, mm, what's happening? I want to see your, I want to hear your lab. <laughs> but I would pull out and just say, okay, what are the food? Like, what are you eating? Clearly there's something that's either irritating the bacteria that you have. So we have to get a clear understanding of what's burdening your immune system. Or even in this case, like maybe I would try, and I don't want to send her down a rabbit hole, but it just sounds like she said SIBO testing. I would try maybe low FODMAP just to see if she can get some alleviation and correlate it to certain things. And I would also work on how do we build, biggest question, how do we build the resiliency of your gut microbiome so you're not constantly killing things? Because if you have dysbiosis, we already know, I don't know if it's everything's high, everything's low, we can have it in, in different um, ways, but how do we start to nurture and build the resiliency with prebiotics, with the humic acid, with targeted probiotics, with you know understanding what you're eating? Because oftentimes, if you are bloated and uncomfortable, we start to narrow down our diet. We're like, oh, I can only tolerate rice and chicken. And then now we're also going to create more dysbiosis because we're eating such a narrow range of things. Also think about stomach acid. Like has she looked at 
and here's where we can tie in blood work, but like elevated BUN, low chloride, uh, potassium being out of range that can give us calcium being out of range that can give us some context into, do you actually have enough stomach acid to digest these things? Inflammatory markers. Is it in your gut or are we dealing with something that's a little bit more um, widespread and impacting other areas of your body? Is it a nutrient imbalance? So, oh my gosh, so many, so many answers to that question. I could keep going, but I'll stop there. I love watching your brain work. I was like, Ooh, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just like, mm, these are, cause it's like, for me, I'm yeah. asking. And I think what resonates so deeply with the people that I work with is I'm going to come in and I'm going to ask different questions in a totally different way where it's not just like, Oh, well, is it the parasite that's doing it? Maybe it's SIBO and just like kind of narrowing down that gut rabbit hole, but it's really like, well, let's lean out and kind of look at you as a human. And then ultimately, what do you think a journey like that does to someone's confidence and trust in their body? It yeah. trashes it. So if I were to ask her, do you believe your body is capable of healing? I would assume that she would probably say no. Because we get in this pattern where it's like, I've done all the things, I've tried all the protocols and nothing's working. So I am broken. Mm -hmm. And that's really damaging language to have, even if we're not like saying it, we have to be really uh, cognizant of what is the story under there? Yeah. Mm. Okay. This is from Heather. She says, I'm looking for advice on what to do if four-year-old stools are too loose. They usually start normal, but end loose. He's already dairy-free and mostly gluten-free except pizza Friday once a week. Also, anything to do with uh, anything I can do when occasional constipation hits. My four-year-old daughter sometimes will have belly pains if she does not have a daily healthy bowel movement. She is also dairy-free. We will continue to try to manage through food, but anything we can do for a quick fix when stools sway one way or the other. She said they also do probiotics and prebiotics as needed. All good stuff. Um, I think for constipation, I really like magnesium oxide. I think that's a really great way to just take the edge off <laughs> and pull some water into the gut because that's what it does. It combines with our stomach acid and then creates... Um, water coming into our gut to help things move. So you'd have to, there's a, I'm blanking on what it's it's called, but there's a formula that you can actually use to calculate adult dosaging for children based on their body weight. Hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. So I would play around with that because you don't want to like give a child an adult dose of magnesium oxide because yeah. that will just give them diarrhea. But it's a really good one to have in your back pocket because it's non-habit forming. It's just pulling water in. It's not um, a laxative or anything like that. So that's what I would say for constipation. And you know, my brain also thinking, I'm like, what is her microbiome doing? Does she need more prebiotics or chicory root or HMO powder or something? So like, if you were to come to me, I'd be like, let's do a stool test and just assess and see what is going on and how we can support the diversity of the microbiome. So that's a, another aside. Same thing with the diarrhea. Diarrhea or loose stool is a little bit more challenging because I often think of are there underlying food sensitivities or underlying food allergies? Because that's what we'll typically see is like when there's irritation in the gut, we see looser stools. Um, there can be, you know, different parasites, pathogens that kind of come up and can create that as well. So you know, stool testing for the kiddos, I think is, is, is a test that I would actually run in isolation just to see, because again, I'm not taking it and being like, Oh, we're going to kill all these things. It's just like, how can we get the right probiotics and right prebiotics? Oh, interesting. I've never thought about 
stool testing being like, okay, this is the probiotic that your body needs. Like that's genius, which takes me to my next question, which is from Liz. She says, how do I know if my kid needs a probiotic? And there are so many strains. How do I know which one to give to my kid? Right. So overwhelming. And that's, I mean, health is overwhelming. (laughs) When we're trying to generalize these things that are very specific, it's overwhelming. And that's why I've always leaned on testing because then I don't have to be this like mystic guru who's like, I feel energetically it is Saccharomyces boulardii that you need. It's like, no, we can actually look and get some context and make better educated decisions. And I mean, I think Tiny Health is such a great stool test because it's under $200. It's shotgun method method of testing. They give you really great recommendations within their report. And it's just a good way to like build a healthy microbiome and not get stuck in, ah, we have to kill it all. So that's, that's what I do for my child. So that does that test, like once you get that done, so does it tell you this is the kind of probiotic you should be giving your child? Yeah, it'll give you more context in that. I, I don't know if they make Very specific, cool. I think they do make specific probiotic recommendations and prebiotic and food, which is why I really like what they have to offer because it's a little bit more, again, holistic and balanced and makes sense to me as a parent wanting to you know, honor this growing child and not forcing like, oh, but you have these limitations and your body is broken. But like, no, I think it's easier for us to see our kids' bodies as resilient and and functioning at a higher level than our own. So I think it just gives good context. Okay, like what can I add in or how do I create support? Yeah, interesting. I love that. Okay, the last question I have here is from Sally. She said, could poor gut health be the reason most supplements don't have much effect on me? When I see other people having amazing results, like things just aren't processing or absorbing properly. Um, So yes, 100%. If you're not absorbing what you're taking, what you're eating, you're not getting it. And if your gut is imbalanced, if you do have poor gut health, if it's inflamed, you're not going to be extracting as many nutrients as somebody that has a more healthy gut for sure. And... (laughs) It's not the only piece that impacts absorption. So like gut is one part of it. And when we're looking at comparing ourselves to somebody else, there's just so many things that can be different. Our genetic makeup, our experience with stress, trauma, physical, like head injuries. Like there's so many things that can impact how our body is moving through the world versus somebody else. So I just always like to caution people like truly as much as as easy as it is to make that comparison, we really have to kind of sit within our own body and connect to our own intuition and our own sense of what we need and get that quiet space and time that we talked about before to say, okay, what does it look like for me? Because comparing to other people is ultimately going to bring in defeat. And it's like, why is it? My body is so messed up. I am so different. I am so broke. All these things that we say. And it's like, no, you have the power, you have the capability to heal. It's just going to look different than other people. I love that. That's a great note to end on. Sarah, okay, so what are you doing now? And where can we find more about you and just follow along with what you're doing? Oh, man, I am just doing the microbiome restoration work. Some of what I found to be the most impactful over the past couple of years is group work. So I've really been focused on how do I bring women together, create a safe, connective healing container so that we are able to not go on this journey in isolation. I think that was kind of a through line too. It's like we end up in these rabbit holes. We end up feeling like I'm so different than everybody else. So 
I've been bringing women together to say, okay, we're here with a common message. We're here with a common goal and that's to heal our bodies. And what does it look like? And when somebody says, I struggle with that too, or I have a hard time too, or here's a snack that I've learned to love. It just creates this beautiful, just like, I don't know, enhanced healing trajectory because we're not doing it alone. So I I bring women together. I also bring in the science. I also bring in the deeper self-exploration and human design readings to really create this comprehensive look at how do we heal? Not just like, how do we research? How do we do the stool test? How do we stay in the sensationalism? That is the wellness world. But like, how do we shut that all down and like just start healing? So that's what I've been focusing on. That's what I am supporting women and doing. And it's such beautiful work that I never thought I would be in. Like, I'm like, no, I'm going to be one-on-one doing all the tests. And I'm like, wow, when we hold space for each other, it changes the game. I love that. So it's called, is it called restore the body or restore the gut, the four and the six month program? Yeah, it's the four month program and it's um, the fearless gut restoration program. So it's just a good place to start the magic of healing. Mm -hmm. I call it an alchemy because it really is like when we're healing our gut, alchemy kind of is to me, it's this sense of like, you're shifting things, you're transforming you're doing it in a very uh, specific way, but then there's also this element of magic where you're like, ooh, that happened. And and the pillars of gut alchemy are the science, the self and connection. Awesome. Okay, I love it. Um, we're gonna link to all of Sarah's things in the show notes. Thank you, Sarah, for being here. And thank you for answering all the questions from our community. I know they really appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. I love it. I'm so happy to be able to share and to just you know go on the journey of healing. Mm-hmm. All right. So for more from Sarah, her website is fearlessfig.com. And that's, I just went to her website and I saw the Restore the Gut program right at the top. But we will, like I said, link to everything in the show notes. For more from me, coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks for being here, guys. I will talk to you next week. <laughs>